Today's episode of the Ringer MBA show is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. Navy Federal has a mission to put members first by making their financial goals the priority. Receive a lifetime of membership benefits to help you and your family accomplish your life missions, like a full suite of financial products designed to fit your needs, 24-7 live support, and access to over 300 branches on or near military bases. Visit NavyFederal.org for more information. Call 1-888-842-6328 or download the Navy Federal Credit Union app. Message and data rates may apply. Basketball is very good. Jimmy Butler is actually a good teammate. Savanis is the most important front court pacer. De'Aaron Fox is better than Donovan Mitchell. Basketball is very good. Hello and welcome to the Ringer NBA show. This is the group chat. Did I do that okay? Are you trying out for a Toyota commercial? <laughs> this I is could good. be. I That's good. I like it. Uh, I am Justin Verrier. I am the Nancy Pelosi of this podcast. Joining me as All usual, right. Paolo Getty. What's up? And swinging off the ball today, <laughs> we like to play a little multi-positional basketball here. One Chris Ryan. Yeah. How's there, it feel? There, there, there is no, there is no one position we play here. Exactly. You know, yeah. I'm a point forward. Switchability. You're a stretch four. Whatever. Yeah. Switchability. It's perfect. Uh, last night, we had some live basketball that both of you guys got the chance to see up close, which is a rarity. I think most of us usually watch from afar. Yeah. Um, follow there as media. Chris there as number one Thunder fan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was my second night as a civilian at Staples Center in a row. You saw the Clippers and the Lakers, so like differences, uh, preferences. I mean, the the amount, the superiority of the Lakers in game experience yeah. is is just almost. I feel bad for the Clippers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because they're still, they still start the game, the pregame ritual with like basically like sparklers and <laughs> fire, and like fluorescent yeah. lighting. Well, and then and then the Lakers have like a Michael Bay movie happen yeah. before the game starts. <laughs> right. It's just so funny though when they do that, and then they're like. Kyle Kuzma. And you're like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, if LeBron's not there, it right. does make it feel really stupid. Yeah, but I've always said that the Clippers kind of lean into their own personality in the same way sure. the Lakers lean into the like, It was the more embarrassing when they had Blake and CP3. I don't know. There's something like really cheesy about it that I love that they're just like, they turned up the pyro like to 11 yeah. as a result right. to try to keep yeah, up yeah. as opposed to try to do the same thing. Uh, but yeah, Lakers games definitely, like the crowd in, in particular always seems to be. Uh, coming out in full force. How was it last night? They were certainly coming out in full force against Paul George. Yeah, <laughs> right. It was really weird. I mean, it was almost like every time... So, so they booed him a little bit in the introductions, right? And then every time he would touch the ball, it, it was almost like there was a TV delay to the fans because like they would realize, oh, that's Paul George who has the ball. Let's start booing him. So it would like take like a little bit for them to actually like get into it, which <laughs> I thought was pretty funny. But um, I don't know. I was, I'm kind of like, whatever. Like... It, yeah, he turned down the Lakers, and he's actually from Palmdale, which is like not close not to LA, <laughs> which is I think is important to know. But it was fine. I mean, like I loved how like he kind of got a little motivated by it. Which yeah, is he dropped thirty seven. Yeah, him. exactly. <laughs> and, he was, yeah. and he was shooting for forty. He just didn't hit that last three. So the Thunder ended up winning this one, one hundred seven, one hundred. Uh, LeBron still not playing. He has a groin injury. I think he's missed three games now. Four games. I think it's four. Four games. Cal uh, Kuzma out. I have no idea what his injury is, but it just seems like these it was guys. A, yeah. It was a back. Yeah. Uh, so KCP. 
Well, a, a leader will rise. I think that's his first game as a Laker. <laughs> I had such high hopes for KCP going to that team just because like he was the uh, in the ideal form 3 and D wing. Then all of a right. sudden he just completely cratered out and is not even a good player. Hey, he was making threes last night. I was trying to find trades for him. We, we can get into this later. But I was trying to find tr- trades for him. Yeah. His contract is so high that it's impossible to even get him on a good that team. clutch magic. <laughs> the thing is they kind of need him right now. Especially yeah. if Kuzma's out for yeah, a little do, bit of time. Yeah, they do. They do like. There's like. They cannot rely on Lance as like a perimeter. No, definitely not ball handler and scorer. It's pretty rough. Yeah. So Paul George's first game back, I think, this season. I think mm-hmm. he had one last year, but this is the first time I think since he. Well, last year it. was still like they're yeah. they're flirting yeah, was, with him and trying to get him to come. So like his and his family was like sitting courtside. I think they were there last night too. Yeah, yeah, they were right behind and he hugged them out. That was a courtship. Was, yeah. This was more of a breakup. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, that, that was very nice. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I I felt like there was some backlash to the booing. Like, yeah. why are the Lakers doing this? This wasn't even a thing. I was telling Chris this, boo. Like, that's kind of how I feel. Lean into too. your hatred. I feel like this is the perfect way to start like rivalries in in sports again because nobody actually cares about them anymore. I'm. I was gonna say like, who? It's literally the most meaningless things. Like, let fans be right. fans. And like, are we really gonna be in an uproar? And like, there were at least like three questions after or two about the booing when they asked him post game. Oh yeah. And it was kind of like okay, like. He's like, I expected it. I think he even said, like, yeah, like I expected it was gonna be hostile. So like It felt I, a little junior varsity. And I I, mm, I thought that's fair. I was kind of wondering if LeBron had been playing if the if the booing would have been as oh, vocal. Like I don't know that there's that kind of symbiosis between a fan and player that you can be like, oh well, I don't want to embarrass LeBron while he's out there. But it would have been weird if like LeBron James is on your team and you're like crying over Paul George. <laughs> it's just like you're gonna get Anthony Davis or Kawhi Leonard or whoever you're gonna get. Like yeah. it's probably written already. Mm-hmm. So just like stop being such babies. I do feel That's like fair. the Lakers have some potential to be like team petty going forward. Absolutely. Just because yeah. not only do they have LeBron, they're going to be the best team probably in the league in the next year or two. Uh they all have the Lakers Schadenfreude, which will never go away and is mm-hmm. one of my favorite things in sports. But also, like, you have a bunch of stars now coming out against LeBron and not wanting to play that. So there's this real, like, clash of the way the Lakers see themselves and the way that Lakers fans in particular have always seen themselves versus, like, what the NBA sees. It's this weird, like, old school, new school thing happening. I think you get instances like this, and it definitely helps when Paul George is on the court and Russ is on the court literally mocking uh, Lance Stevenson. Yeah, that was pretty and, great. And not only mocking him, but Russ, the, the facial expression on him was like he was about to strangle him as he was <laughs> yeah. doing the three-point guitar celebration. Yeah. It, was, it, got to, it got got pretty chippy at the end. Uh, Tyson Chandler, well, Terrence Ferguson tried to block a, a Josh Hart yeah. dunk and, and flipped over and landed on his hip. And then like pretty much two plays later, Tyson Chandler clotheslined him. Yeah. And, and then Tyson Chandler was getting really mad at uh, Jeremy Grant for like, for dunking with like no time left, which I like, seems I like loved, a Tyson Chandler move. Yeah, it's yeah, like, like, like a boo, classic Tyson Paul George Chandler. all game, and then you're going to be like, "Don't dunk when we're like we gave up." And it was also kind of funny because yeah. Tyson Chandler essentially like the game was over, but he essentially like gave the game away by giving up a, yeah. a flagrant one with like a minute left. So Perfect. the funny thing was too like okay, we said like we're kind of fine with the booing or whatever, but like the funny thing was like at the end of the game, Paul George goes to the free throw line. I think it was his last points. And, like, the crowd behind him starts chanting, like, we don't need you (laughs) as he's, like, putting up 37 and they're going to win. Like, it was like, okay, maybe that's where, like, we draw the line in terms of chance and whatnot. Yeah, I did see a stat. I think it was on Reddit that, like, the Lakers' young core, which, as you mentioned, Kuzma wasn't playing, but still Hart, Ingram, Lonzo had 37. 
And obviously that was the whole trade where they didn't give up those guys for, for Paul George, and this is where we are right now. I would say that uh, if, you know, you have to imagine LeBron and Rondo come back and the Lakers will improve on their on their currently, like, average, you know, run, I would like to see a, a Oklahoma-Los Angeles first-round playoff series. Yeah. That would be good. Really fun. That would be a good one. I mean, it definitely could happen because at this point, the Thunder might be the second best team in the West. Yeah. Uh, but I think the big story coming out of this one is obviously Russ. Yes. Uh, he was not good yet again. Uh, he shot three for 20 from the floor, one for seven from three, but got that triple-double, which is all that matters. <laughs> uh, according to ESPN Stats and Info, is the fourth worst field goal percentage uh, in a game where the player had a triple-double. Uh, his shooting has been awful mm-hmm. this season. Yeah. But on the other hand, I think he's probably been better as a distributor than he's been in a very long time, probably since uh, KD was there and they were in the midst of like their heyday. I don't know. I'm torn in this one because the team is excelling. They're third in the West right now, sixth in the NBA uh, in terms of record. I think they have the best point differential in the West. Mm-hmm. And yet it does seem like there are times where Russ is liable to shoot them out of the game. Like last night, clearly they probably should have blown them off the floor and they didn't. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Is this, is this a problem? I would, I didn't look at any numbers uh, on, ter- on terms of like where his shots were coming from last night or attempted drives. But I do think that his... It's not reticence. It's just whether it's like a deterioration of his athleticism or uh, maybe just saving his body for the stretch run. I didn't feel like he was going for the rim a lot. And I would be curious to know whether or not that is also part of the problem. Also, his free throw shooting is taking a dive off a cliff. And Royce Young has a piece up on ESPN about uh, a rule change that happened, I think, a year ago about where Russ used to, from when he was eight years old on, his free throw method, and it's hilarious to imagine a nine-year-old Russell Westbrook doing this. He used to basically take a shot and then walk to the half-court <laughs> line and walk back to the free throw line. Right. And that was his routine. Right. Yeah. But when that got, ch- the NBA changed that to speed it up, to speed up the process. And now his free throw shooting, I think, dropped like 10, 12, 15 yeah. points maybe. And I kind of wonder whether or not there's like a whole like physical chemistry thing going on with maybe that also, you know, he's had some some injuries this season, but I just didn't see him electrifying the crowd, like going to the rim and doing that devil may care stuff that we kind of associate with him that opens up so much of his game. I wonder how much it is about the temptation to shoot mm. because I you started to see this a little bit last night where defenders are kind of almost daring him to shoot. And 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 it's I, there was a few instances where he kind of, we had, where he had the ball, whether it was near the mid-range or more specifically outside the three-point line. And he would just kind of jab step a little bit and like see if like the defender was actually going to come out a little more and challenge him. And then he would take it. Like the fans started chanting, like, shoot it, because they were like, oh yeah, he's going to miss it. Like, I wonder how much that plays into it where he just he just wants to keep taking shots because he feels like it eventually will they will go in and he's getting the space to take them. Mm-hmm. But it's just they're short. There was a couple where it was it didn't even touch the rim. It hit like the side of the backboard. It yeah, was, he took it was a, alarming. He took a, a garbage time three yeah. that missed the rim. It was <laughs> and it was that. it was it was bad. Oof. It was bad. I, I mean, I guess shooters shoot and like you want that when it comes to someone who's an actually good shooter. But when when it's Russ trying to shoot his way out of this, you also have the problem that like even when he gets back up to speed, he's probably only still shooting thirty percent from three. Sure. So, like, I mean, he's, he's just in too 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 right. highly valuable a position to be this bad shooting. Like yeah, he can't right. shoot this poorly from and have this high of a usage rate and take this many field goal attempts if he's going to miss like this. But you know, I don't think that the answer is to turn himself into Rondo. Yeah. Right. I, yeah. I think. I'm actually okay with the shooting, be, just because 
he's never been a plus shooter. And yeah. obviously, you want him to to actually have a respectable three so you can stretch the floor. They still don't have a lot of shooters in OKC. It's been a big problem pretty much since Kevin Durant left. And even in, during the Kevin Durant years, there was always that problem not having uh, the appropriate shooting guard. But he shot 42% in that MVP season. Uh, mm-hmm. 2014-15, he was also shooting 42% from the floor. So it has happened. I think I'm more concerned about... Uh, his reticence to drive, mm-hmm. which is yeah. what we brought up early on. And I think two things. I think uh, the injury that he had, he's getting older. Uh, and I think that that combined with the knee injury, I mean, it could limit his effectiveness. He plays with such a reckless abandonment. That's really his best skill. Mm-hmm. I, I would say just the, his speed plus his recklessness plus his physicality. And you wonder if that's a part of it. And also... If he's worried about free throw shooting, I wonder if he's less likely to get to the free. Right. Because he's also taking six or so free throws a game, which in his MVP season, he was literally taking almost double that. Yeah, I think that definitely has to factor in. I was looking at the numbers just now. He's taking a slightly more shots inside zero to 10 feet. So he, But he's also taking more threes, which are not, mm. aren't not going in. So it's kind of like he, he's, he, he's a little lopsided when it comes to that. And I do... I do kind of wonder though if we are underrating the other things he does because like we look at a line like 3 of 20 or whatever and you see that he had a triple double and we make fun of the triple double right because it's become such like weird rhetoric around that but at the same time like if Paul George is being is able to do what he does which is kind mm-hmm. of score 37 points like I think it's fine like you said kind of for us impacts the game in other ways like rebounding and assists and defense when when he when he tries like that's a perfect compliment to that. I don't know if we want it, like you said, you, you don't want it to get to the point where he becomes Rondo per se, but I do think it's a positive sign that he's angling more towards deferring yeah, to George. I have good news and bad George. news. The bad news right. is that, like like you said, if he even gets back to his levels, it's still, we've seen the limit, the ceiling on like what a Russell Westbrook-led team can do for the Thunder, where mm-hmm. how far they can go. The good news is they're not a Russell Westbrook-led team anymore. Yeah. It's, yeah. A, it's Paul, a Paul George-led team. And what Russell brings is the thing that I kind of, if I can play armchair psychologist, think is what Paul George wanted out yeah. of this experience, which is like, you be the one who brings it every night, who gets fired up to play Phoenix, who gets fired up to like yell at like this guy and that guy, who is always in the ref's ear, who is, you know, driving the competitive fire of this team. And I can score 25 and play lockdown defense. Yeah. You know, and and Paul George, the reason why Paul George has always been just outside of touching distance of the top, top of the league, aside from breaking his leg in half, is that lack of consistency. Yeah. Is this sometimes like 13 points and just kind of disappeared, you know, and, and he played good defense, but nothing miraculous. Last night, he just took the game over, yeah. but I felt like he took the game over because Russ was charging that team forward. Yeah, and I, I do think it's it's important to note that like the defense is the best in the league. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there was that quote that came out that I guess Paul George asked Russ to like be a little bit more engaged on that end. And to that point, you're just making like if Russ is kind of this just like elite level Lonzo, elite level Rondo sure. kind of destructive force on both ends. I still don't think he brings it enough on uh, the defensive end, but the way he's orchestrating at some points in the game is just fantastic. Mm-hmm. I remember watching in that Christmas Day game, just the way that when he makes his deci- like it makes up his mind to pass it, some of the passes that he can actually execute are like some of the best I've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's important, especially when you have a bunch of kind of spare parts in addition to George, like the Jeremy Grants, the Steven Adams, a guy. That was a good thing that I was going to say is that last night watching Steven Adams, I was like, he's an all-star. 
He looks like the Steven yeah. Adams from whatever that playoff series was where he looked like the best center in the league. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was the one where they pushed the And Warriors. he and Russ are basically psychic. So the pick yeah. and roll with Adams still works really well. Uh, and I, you know, I, I'm fond of this particular Thunder roster. Yeah, I don't think too. they have enough shooting. The Thunder never seem to have enough shooting. But I think that they're super athletic. I think they're pretty deep. Uh, yeah. Abdul Nader was, Nader was really good last night. night. Yeah. Um, Noel is giving them useful minutes and is still per right. 36. God, they don't have Abrinas right now, but like they they have some useful players coming off the bench, which I think was always the like, especially in the lean years, it was Russ would sit and the plus minus would swing to 40, you know, when Russ was on the bench. And then when he was in, he would have to claw them back into games. And that's as much part of the MVP myth as the triple doubles was his, like, the reliance they had on him. Right. I also think that we talk a lot about, you know, what's the team's identity? What is the thing they do well? And it, this team clearly has one that they're really good defensively. Yeah. And when you have kind of that bedrock, I think it's easier to deal with, like we said, the off shooting nights from us or, or you know, Paul George has an inconsistent night. You know, I think it's easier to stay in games when you have that kind of the defensive identity to fall back on. I think they're a great regular season team. I think, like you said, the defense is there. And I think when the offense fluctuates, you can always count on them to lock down and, and pretty much shut down one of their uh, best opponents on the other end. Uh, as a result, their best net rating in the league. I do worry about the offense. They're 20th uh, overall, which is not a good sign. Mm-hmm. You always want to get to like top 10 at least on both ends of the ball. And I do worry it, come playoff times if all of those issues are suddenly going to come up. The Ben Simmons playoff experience is like totally lingering, lingering over like every take I make now just because of the way that we thought so highly of him and all of a sudden he couldn't shoot in one series and now he's just like completely diminished. I do wonder if those sorts of things, uh, they, I start noticing them more now and I look at the team and like the fact they aren't, they don't have shooting. The fact that you could just pack the paint on some of their bigs. I think it's going to be a big issue. I think I don't know, like if Russ can't stretch the floor, it, suck the defense in, if he's reticent yeah. to go into the middle and kick it out and not create open shots for subpar shooters. I do wonder if, like, I have a feeling that this is going to be a Western Conference that's really determined by seating and 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 who gets who in a bracket. Yeah, I don't think that they have anybody on the floor who will get nuked on defense like they did last year. Yeah, I think Russell's playing better defense. I don't think Billy Donovan is such a tactical mastermind that he can chess move some of the other coaches in in the in the West. There are some I think he could. There are some who I don't think are play like are 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 better than him. But I don't know that he could outmaneuver even Quinn Snyder necessarily. You know, uh, yeah. if even if they if they were to have a rematch with them, say. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'll be really fascinating. I am weirdly like into this team. <laughs> yeah. But I do, I do think that their ceiling is probably semifinals of the conference. They're well, super fun. I mean, they have all these athletes that just like dunk everything and they're bouncing around. Like they have four Jeremy Terrence Grant. Ferguson. Love Jeremy Grant. Like everybody in the court at one time yeah. is like a Terrence yeah. Ferguson. Chetty is going to baptize somebody. Yeah. I was talking to Tyler <laughs> about this and he was like, he's going to get one this year that's going to end a guy's career. Yeah. Well, I think not to belabor the defense point, but I think if they do decide to make a trade and when the trade deadline comes in, they can kind of go for a more of a Oh, is that Amadou off, Diallo? Off, Not Czech Diallo. Amadou, yeah, Amadou yeah, Diallo. Yeah, yeah. They can go for more of an offensive-minded guy knowing that they have that you know, that strong defense. Yeah, uh, I, and that's the question there. Right. I, I do think that they need a trade, uh, and I think if a lot of teams are going to be hesitant to pull the trigger just because they have uh, to look two, three years ahead, the Lakers in particular can't take on any money, and so they're pretty much stuck unless they just want to kind of kick KCP to a contender, which would... If it's in the West, it's just going to uh, end up spiting their face. Uh, but they really don't have anything. Yeah, they have no yeah. money. 
Uh, their their luxury tax bill right now is seventy four million, which is the biggest in the league. Uh, they can't trade a first round pick until twenty twenty four. So they really only have some of these intriguing youngsters. And if you're trying to get a guy that's going to make an impact this season, he probably makes like ten million mm-hmm. or over. And so in order to match salaries, you can't just clear the books yeah. for someone else. Mm-hmm. So you really only have the mellow trade exception. And I still don't know like who you're getting in order to match that because I don't think you can combine that with anything else. No, they would have to really hope that the value increases on these guys that are, they're trotting out in the 6 to 10 rotation spots. Right. And it reminds me a lot of the Sixers when we yeah. thought all their like kind of uh, overseas projects and some of their second round guys were super intriguing and maybe they'd hit and all of a sudden someone would get interested in them. Mm-hmm. But like... I don't think any of that, these guys are at that point. In fact, they have TLC yeah. <laughs> as one of them. Yeah, right. He yeah. still isn't playing, uh, yeah. which is kind of a bummer. But I don't know. Where do you guys come on in this team? Do you think they're the second best team in the West? I think they're, yeah. the, I think I, they're the, the third. Oh, the third? Yeah. Who do you have second? Um, well, as as they're playing right now, kind of like Houston, but you know, uh, sure. I think I think Denver and Golden State are are better, are better suited right now. Denver's just more equally distributed everywhere like and people can have bad nights if russ has a bad night paul george has to score 40 and russ is having more bad nights than good nights right now so i think he'll get out of it i think we could get we could get another two-week russ shut down somewhere along the lines mm. for him to kind of sure. kind of get his body right but yeah i think right now they're they're right around third or fourth in the west i just think that because they have two all-stars i would go with them in terms of like the second best team in the west like i i just kind of fall back on that these are I, guys too what do you mean? You've been riding for the Thunder from the <laughs> yeah, start. That is true. And then I was like, wow, this is not going to go well for me as the season began. And then it's come out, it's come back around. I think the, the, the weird thing about the West right now is that the self-destruction of the Timberwolves and the Pelicans has really thrown me off this season. Yeah. Because I just don't know what to do with that bottom half of the Western Conference playoffs bracket. And I don't know who I believe in. And I feel like there are teams that are bad that are good and teams that are good that are bad. <laughs> and there are teams that I'm like, well, you guys are going to bottom out. But, you know, I mean, this, this is the interesting part of the season where teams like San Antonio and Miami are kind of relying on their institutional know-how of how to sure. get through a season. Mm-hmm. And they're starting to drift upwards because of that. Yeah, I do think that we could be in a situation where the boldest teams might have a super, like a huge advantage. The mm-hmm. teams that only have to play for this season that can make the trade for an auto porter, that can make the trade for a Kevin Love type or, or whatever like B-level star that could shake free here mm-hmm. in the next couple of weeks. February 7th, I think is the trade deadline. Yeah. So we're about a month away. Mm-hmm. And I can't quit the Pelicans <laughs> for that reason. Their starting five is actually really good. I think Alfred Payton back in there, it just makes sense now. He kind of like stirs the drink and everyone gets involved, but the bench is just so horrible. I do think, and I really want to stop myself from saying this, but I think <laughs> if they get Meritage back, they do something for Porter, I think they can be easily in the mix for the top four again. That's I mean, really crazy. That's, 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 and they're eight <laughs> games behind <laughs> the Thunder right now. I just think, I don't know if Alvin Gentry makes it to like February. Are you serious? Wow. Yeah, I know. And I don't think Del Dems makes it much longer. It, but. it is pretty interesting though that it, it could go so dramatically either way. Like, I don't think they that's are the top thing. four material, but I think that they definitely could get back in the playoffs if AD has a run and, and Miritich comes back. And because like that system works so well. Granted, Ronda was on the team but mm-hmm. it worked so well at the second half of last season I remember like when they came around to, to LA and they played the Clippers it was like watching you felt like watching like a top 
West playoff team, and you were like, oh, this team actually has a shot. And then, of course, then of course they did it when they swept the Blazers. So I don't know. I mean, there it is such a high variance with this team that is like they could also just bottom out. Here's, I guess, here's the case. That last year, they were pretty much in the same situation mm-hmm. right now. And then they tore off that incredible second half of the season. Right. But they're not going to have like a massive tactical reimagining like they did last <laughs> season. Well, uh, I guess the counter to that would just be that they're already in it. Mm-hmm. Like they play, like their their base setup is what they were when they were at their best last season. Meritich and uh, even maybe they're even better because they have Randall to just throw in there. I don't know. I just think like they also have the contracts they have the willingness to like prove to AD. I don't think long term it makes much sense. And if anything, it will yeah. just make it more complicated going into free agency. And I think their luxury tax bill also becomes a huge issue because they've never been willing to pay that. But let's say they trade for Auto Porter and let's throw in Jeff Green. I have the trade machine now, but as if I'm okay. I'm, I have no so this is this is Operation <laughs> Save the Save the Pelicans. I, yeah, you give them. You have to give him Randall, which is which is fine. Like he's mm. he's good, but I think uh, overall he hurts their defense and he won't be a factor in the playoffs because you can't play him in crunch time. Uh, Solomon Hill's contract, and then you throw in Frank Jackson in the first round pick. I mean, you have absolutely the green light to do this because you need to do whatever you you can sell whatever's not nailed down right now because you know that you will be able to refill the cupboard with Davis. Yeah. And that's the thing that they have to do. They cannot pretend yeah. to be like, we really think we can sell Anthony on the future of New Orleans and the culture that we've built here together. You have voice. to basically <laughs> sell everything around him to get the best possible return to build a team that can go at least to the second round, if not to the conference finals. And then if that blows up and you miss the playoffs or whatever, then you then you trade Davis. I mean, yeah. you probably have to trade Davis because he's going to leave anyway and you need to get something back from him. I think that even if they make the second round, part of me feels like this is already a like a non conversation. Oh yeah, yeah. I think ultimately, and I know that's a little fatalistic, but like. no, no. I think ultimately, the, they're probably looking at that reality. And yeah. I think if if you talk to those people, uh, like off the record, and like ask them what they actually felt, sure. that they're probably preparing for the worst. I just think you make a move like that because I think it can also help you when you get those guys. Maybe it's it's Drew Holiday and Porter. And Ingram and Lonzo and I don't know, you bring Miritich back or someone else. And all of a sudden yeah. that's, that's like a fun team that yeah. you can keep mm-hmm. like going with. And ultimately you, that's what you need in New Orleans. You need something to sell to fan base. And I think it would probably be the best received team that they've had in a little while there. Cause they played with such top heavy teams with such high expectations that never fulfill them. And I also think more importantly, if you make a trade right now, it gives them a shot in the arm and this team reminds me so much of the Lob City Clippers where they were at the end of the run and there was just like that Charlie Brown cloud hanging over them everywhere they go and nothing works and like maybe the coaching staff doesn't fit and we don't have a bench and all mm-hmm. this stuff. And there's just like, it's such a malaise and everything is such a goddamn slog. It's like so boring to watch. Uh, and But I think there's something about what happened with Miritich, getting him in there, like having success that just energizes AD. Mm-hmm. He's the type of guy that will kind of wax and wane depending on like how things are going. He's not really an emotional leader. Yeah, he's like Paul George. Very much like Paul George. And I think if you get him energized and back in there, you have an MVP candidate uh, coming into his prime. He's not even 26 yeah. yet. Yeah, I just think that there's so much that good that can happen as a result of that. So. It, it is kind of the glass half full view for sure. I like your confidence. I, I find the, the the Western Conference playoffs p- picture is so bizarre because the three teams that I think would we would normally expect... Sacramento, Dallas, and Memphis are three teams that I think are either incredibly hungry for a taste of the playoffs or historically are not the type to to pull the plug. 
So it'd be it's like the three of those teams sitting there in nine, ten, and eleven, and you're like, none of these guys are going to step back. Like I don't think those three teams are going to be like we're going to shut it down and like go for this a high pick. Yeah, I think they're going to go for the playoffs. Yeah, I could see the Grizzlies like. I mean, we 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 heard about the the fight that that happened yeah, in the locker yeah. room, and I could see. I mean, and they're they struggling they nose diving right now. Yeah, right. that's the that's the one thing because I do I do agree with you. I think the Kings and the Mavericks are just going to try to go for that eight seed, and I don't blame them. No, no, I mean, like I think that I I still don't know what Utah is, and I don't know like what they're what they're doing this season, and I don't know whether five hundred is going to be good enough to get into the Western Conference playoffs. It certainly doesn't look like that. Mm-hmm. But every time I think they've sort of put it together, they lose three games out of five. So yeah. it, it's so confusing that second half. I think that if I'm Dallas, I punt. My future is with Luka yes. and that next team that's going to come in a year from, or two from now. Uh, you have Wes Matthews. You even have DeAndre Jordan's expiring. Like that's that's pretty good fodder in in like the current environment. Uh, if I'm Memphis, I might think of the same. Like, Man, if, I mean, if you Memphis, take advantage of, yeah. of Conley and Gasol, but like Jaron Jackson, that's your future, and yeah. like some of these other pieces that you're trying to put together don't like particularly fit. All that well, right? If I'm the Kings, though, I'm going for it. Yeah, yeah you got to. Of course, you got to. You have a bunch of young guys. Why not? This is this is my favorite team in the league. I think like <laughs> if they get an Otto Porter in there, a guy who could play a little bit more wing, uh, can play defense. Man, Otto Porter. Yeah, really, I was like, just gonna say like, sure what, is, what are we? League. What are what's our collective opinion this, on Otto Porter right now? This is well, I actually think he's been particularly bad this season. But yeah. I just think like you look at everyone in the league, they're all contending. They're all trying to make the playoffs. Right. And Zach Cram wrote about this for us. Like, who is a seller at the deadline? Yeah. It's pretty much like in terms of star power, a guy who could maybe swing your season a little bit. It's like Kevin Love, who can't be traded for another couple of weeks, is still injured, hasn't played in months, and maybe one of the Wizards guys. And you're not going to trade Bradley Beal because he's your best player. And so Otto Porter might be the only guy who can... Yes. reasonably make an impact. Yeah. Yeah. The only other team that I was kind of wondering about with that is like, would the Celtics make a deal that wasn't mm. for a Davis? Like, would the Celtics yeah. try to unclog their chemistry a little bit by getting rid of like some of the guys who are like, why aren't I playing more? You selling Gordy? I, don't, I mean, like, I know Bill wants to, but <laughs> I'm, I'm more curious about like Jalen. Oh. See, but the yeah. problem with these trades, and I, this is like everybody has kind of talked about, this is everybody's biding their time for Davis. Yeah. So nobody's, like, everybody's like would, afraid. Would, would Boston give up any of their assets for anything less than Davis? So. But at a certain point, even though they're 22 and 15, it's nothing to be ashamed of. I feel like they know that they're not reaching their potential right now. Yeah. The one team I'm, I'm wondering whether they do make the, they give up stuff not for Davis is the Lakers. Because what if, what if the Pelicans don't want to trade with the Lakers? You know what I'm saying? Like I, 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 we saw a little bit of that with the Kawhi thing, right? And 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 like you would know better than I would. I mean, whether or not that there's that kind of like interconference animosity out of New Orleans, or whether they even get, give a shit. No, and I, I mean, Del Demps, the first trade he made uh, was for Chris, Chris Paul. Paul was was with sure. the Lakers yeah. before that got right. vetoed. I don't think there is, and I think for him, if yeah. he wants to save his job, which I think is going to be up in question. Uh, if they can't make the playoffs here, uh, I think he would just want the best package. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why, if you're the Celtics, going talking back to them, like I think that's why you wait. Because I think ultimately they have the best assets. Like I think you keep a Jalen and you throw him in there along with like maybe Horford opts back into his deal. And a Horford is the type of win-now veteran that you wouldn't get from the Lakers. So you're still keeping the team afloat. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have all those picks. Like the, the Kings pick... 
probably ultimately will end up in the late lottery. That's better than anything the Lakers can throw out there. Yeah, I'm I still mean, not sold on Lonzo. Right. I'm still not sold on Kuzma. I don't know. Yeah, it kind of depends on what they're prioritizing, right? And you you're making it seem sound like they want to still continue competing. Like they don't want to tear it. That's that's my that's what I would assume. And again, I would go back to that first Lakers trade they made, where they just got a bunch of veterans. Sure, uh, I think that's uh, trying to find a balance between win now guys and uh, and guys that provide some of like a future that they really haven't had for a little while now. Uh, and just look at some of the trades that we've made for stars recently. I mean, Kawhi Leonard got yeah, traded for, for Demar Derozan, Demar Derozan, yeah. Old Depot, and, and Sabonis mm-hmm. were a couple years into their career. Like Sabonis was a rookie, I think, or he just come off his yeah. rookie year. So I, I think if you're a GM, I think you're looking for guys who aren't going to start the rebuild because then questions start coming about your job security. Well, I think typically what we look for in the trade market is those teams that are on the on the way out into the in, into tank mode and getting rid of whatever like valuable assets they have around. It'd be really interesting to see a team that was at like the six seven seed mm-hmm. be like, well, we know we're not going to be like a Charlotte. You know what I mean? Like if you're Charlotte. Do you trade Kemba? Just wait after the All-Star. <sighs> or would there be a mass revolt of your fan base if you traded your franchise player in like when you were approaching being the seventh seed? Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. mm-hmm. I think that there's gonna be and, and Charlotte's a team that I don't think it would do that. I don't think Jordan would be like, let's trade our best player before the playoffs, no. even if he was going to be a free agent. I think that that is a but there is are teams like that. Like if the Clippers were really creative. You start thinking mm, about some of the guys they have, and they're like, look, we're not going to get to the conference finals. We're not even going to get probably out of the second round. We'll probably be competitive if we're in the playoffs. But what we can do is like do a bunch of different things with like the fact that we have 11 guys playing right now, and a lot of them are pretty attractive to teams. Yeah, there's a huge So many advantage. useful players on that team. That yeah. could literally help yeah. any team. I mean, the guys on Ricky Sanchez just said this, but I would bite your hand off for like half the Clippers roster to be on the Sixers. Okay, let's talk about the Sixers, but first let's talk about tonight's game. The NBA watch of the night? Yeah, it's uh, tonight on national television. We've got two really, really tasty games. TNT's got a really nice doubleheader. They've got the return of Kawhi Leonard to San Antonio. So speaking of booing, like we did earlier with Paul George, uh, San Antonio probably has a little bit more uh, of like a grounds to boo, I think. Mm -hmm. But the big game, obviously, is Golden State and Houston. And Mm -hmm. James Harden on this incredible tear of shooting tons of free throws. So congratulations to the MVP, the reigning MVP (laughs) there. But he's uh, he's taking his his game to Golden State. Uh, That's on TNT tonight. And I'm excited for that game. I mean, like... It's going to be another 40-point Yeah, I just think that, like, this is, like, the most vulnerable we've seen Golden State in years. And Houston is obviously playing with the safety off. So it's going to be really, really cool. Uh, That's tonight at 7.30 Pacific, 10.30 Eastern on TNT. And remember, if you want to watch every NBA game, subscribe to NBA League Pass on NBA.com, Amazon, or your local cable or satellite provider. All right, let's get to the main event here. <laughs> Your Philadelphia 76ers. Chris, you spent a lot of time back in the home state. I did, yeah. What county are you from? I'm from Philadelphia. Yeah, Whoa. it's like a Philly, like I live right, my, my mom lives right north of the art museum. Wow. wow. It's not yeah. even like a, a neighborhood? Like- no, it's not like Bucks County. It's Fairmont. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you were you were in Bucks County. <laughs> no, I was not. Uh, and tell us about the Philly Well, I've experience. had kind of a weird couple of weeks because uh, I came back in after the break and I went into Danny and Justin's office and I was like I have watched more basketball in the last three weeks than I probably have all season mm-hmm. but I've exclusively watched Sixers games right. and I think Danny we don't know if it was you or Danny who said 
that's how most people watch basketball <laughs> is like they have their team yeah. and then they watch so their true. games. Yeah. And we're, we're more like, I'm trying to get this Grizzlies game <laughs> nailed <laughs> down Lee before pass. I check yeah. out the Pacers. <laughs> it's like, no. Um, life's pretty weird when you only watch the Sixers. It has its highs and lows. But uh, yeah, I've, I've, I've watched pretty much every Sixers game since the beginning of December, which is a lot. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and I went and saw them against the Clippers the other night at Staples. Okay, so what is what is number one takeaway from your Sixers, Sixers uh, meditation, I guess? Right now, there's a Sixers, Sixers civil war within the fan base. I mean, Whoa. I don't know if it's a civil war or if it's just like people sniping at each other online, but mm-hmm. there is a lot of consternation about whether or not this team can go where it wants to go with Ben Simmons as the player as he is. Uh, I think it's pretty obvious that Joel Embiid, for the first two-thirds of a game is Shaq and it's amazing (laughs) and it he looks like in the first two quarters of games you're like that guy can score 45 points a night like there's nobody in basketball who can stop him and he did Uh, I think last night (laughs) yeah and he watching him surgically deconstruct each Clippers big man that Doc would throw at him whether it was Gortat or Harrell or uh Boban even and it took him like a couple of tries to figure out Boban but it's it's just really something else to watch and it makes me think a lot about you know I think we're going towards a somewhat homogenous style of basketball, at least in terms of what we want teams to do. We're like, oh, you got to get space. You got to have shooters. You have to have the ball moving all over side to side. And that's true. And it's kind of, you really do start to want to like peel paint off the walls when you watch 85 dribble handoffs (laughs) and then a guy like step into an 18 footer on the Sixers. But uh, it is fun to watch a big man dominate, especially live. Like it's pretty amazing to watch guys just like not be able to handle him. But he's not really the story right now. The story's Ben, and I am Ben is my favorite Sixer. Ben is like one of the most amazing basketball players I've ever really come across in mm-hmm. terms of what he's able to do at his size and his court vision. But uh, you know, there's a real, real like people are really starting to wonder whether or not this guy's ever going to start taking jump shots and. You know, the Markel Fultz thing, we've we've ascribed that to shoulder problems or psychological problems or whatever we're, you're going to ascribe it to, the yips. Ben's not that much better shape. Mm-mm. You know, I mean, like, he he's, like, obviously fine, you know, physically and, and, and emotionally about it, but he offers no threat to shoot. And so this is this big debate that's happening within Sixers fandom is whether or not Ben Simmons as the unicorn that he is makes up for the fact that Ben Simmons as one of your primary ball handlers doesn't space the floor. Were you at that game? Yeah, I was there. the Sixers. What was your take on, on I the think ben? you're not going to find a disagreement for me. I legitimately want to like scream out into the void and be like, do we realize that like Simmons is averaging more points, more rebounds, and just slightly less number of assists that he had last year? Mm-hmm. Shooting better from the field. Like, I don't, I, I get the whole crisis with him not being a threat and that affecting how the offense runs. But I think it's more about the rest of the roster than it is about him shooting. But it is very like fun and interesting and far more, I guess, controversial to focus on the fact that he isn't shooting. But I, I think I think it's not that big of an issue right now as yeah. much as we're probably making it out to be. I don't know. And I've, I've said this in the past, but I just feel like it's such a waste. Like I think Ben at his best last season was top five watch in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Just the way that he could just wreak havoc on the court, take it from one end and just like dunk on everybody on the other end. It was very Westbrook-esque in terms of just like his style of play. And uh, we were talking about this before he came but on. under but, control though. 
Yeah. That's the thing that's so that's so amazing about him is yeah. that he would like yes he could go coast to coast and tomahawk but he would also go coast to coast and then pull it back out and find JJ on on the on the wing you know what I mean yeah. like so much poise it's almost like a robot created by Russ yes like in his image <laughs> his Frankenstein or something sure <laughs> um, I mean there kind of is a similar issue where his style of play uh, is creating all these uh, like kind of auxiliary concerns that like in a vacuum, he might be their best player, but with the guys he's paired around, like it's really interesting. The the kind of tension it creates, especially in the Eastern conference, which even though the bucks are there, even though the Raptors there, I still feel like if the Sixers put it all together, if they get some guys around these three guys, like I, I still think they're a pretty dangerous team, especially if the Celtics can't get their shit together. Uh, do you have any confidence that this season, like the, the Sixers just can contend as we thought they would kind of going into it? I don't know if I have confidence because I don't necessarily think we're going to get an Ilias Ova and a Bellinelli served to us on a platter like we did last year. Right. Um, I would say that I, th- I blame more the empty cupboard of assets and reliable backup players than I do Ben Simmons. Mm-hmm. And it's not just Ilyasova and Bellinelli we're talking about now. We're also talking about Sarge and Covington. And we're also talking about Fultz and Zaire which could have been name your player and and uh, Mikhail Bridges. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Sure. So you're talking about six guys that were short and you get Jimmy Butler instead. Mm-hmm. And you get Landry Shamit, who's good, and Furkan Korkamaz, who can get some shots, but is, you know, of zero on defense. And I don't think JJ's playing really well on defense, very, very well on defense this year. Not that he was ever like a shutdown defender, but that's like a lot of like auxiliary pieces who are need help in other departments of the game. Right. And you, you know, for as much as Jimmy will take on the best player on the other team, the best perimeter player on the other team defensively, you know, it's been talked about. I don't know if he's as good of a team defender as Covington was. So for me, it's as much about the fact that they went from being a seven or eight or nine person team to a three person team pretty hardcore this season. And if you're one of your three is not going to be playing at an optimal level, then it's, 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 it's tough to see them getting over a Toronto, a Milwaukee or a Boston. It it is funny how quickly they accelerated from the process to like what they are now. Mm -hmm. And not, not only from like going to a big three model, but even last year, as soon as they got good, they got great. Mm-hmm. And they were expected to contend. Ben was expected to play like LeBron, even though like he's probably realistically two, three years away from even uh, coming close to having any sort of yeah. impact as he's young LeBron. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I, and I just I don't know. A lot of these uh, kind of these other guys that they got along the way were supposed to be the guys they filled in once they got their team, mm-hmm. right? And I, I just don't know how many of those they actually hit on. Like Jonah Bolden is another guy that they're throwing out there. I think he started. Last game. Yeah, he's uh, he's very useful. Yeah. I, I, he would be useful as their Neuralunds Noel for the Thunder. Yeah, exactly. Which is, he comes in, I don't know, he usually, like, I think Noel played played off-bench minutes in the first half. Or, like, he's basically what Zubac should be on, is on the Lakers, where he comes in in the third quarter to break up the JaVale Tyson platoon and actually, like, yeah. gave them useful minutes and, and, some energy. and brought some energy. Yeah. That's what Jonah should be, but... That middle, that they don't have that middle. They don't have that Sarge, Covington, Bellinelli, Ilyasova. None of whom am I, am I saying, like, they're all replaceable, but mm-hmm. we didn't replace them. And now exactly. you've got Jimmy, who's like, Jimmy is a reliable, like, just racks up that 22 and plays really good defense and is supposed to be the fourth quarter guy. But there's something about what Ben's play does 
in the fourth quarter and how defenses react to the fact that he is no threat from outside that maybe allows him to sag more on Embiid or maybe allows him to pay more attention to Jimmy on the perimeter. And it's just not working right now. So yeah. blowout leads turn into close games and they're probably losing games they could have won. And the biggest concern is that they're just not beating good teams. They're cracking down on bad teams mm-hmm. and any teams that worsen them, but they do not have a signature win this season. And even when they get out to big leads like they did against the Clippers and the Suns, they, they get, lose they, them. They lose them, yes. And they I, get smoked by teams like Portland. Now, granted, Portland, they, I don't think can be played, and it's like sure. they, they, they've been on a, a fairly long road trip. It's like I get losing, but they haven't beaten Boston in Boston. You know, They haven't had like that, like, this team is for real. They beat Toronto without Kawhi at home. I guess I'm just disappointed that and maybe it's because they play in the big market, maybe because the process was such a flashy kind of thing in all of our lives. It was such a, a big event that everyone was kind of on one side or another. But I know the the goal of it was to get transformative talents like Jimmy, like Embiid, like Ben. But they had so many bites at the apple for role players, and yet they have none of them. And I think the failings of... I don't know if it's Hinky, but and I don't know if it's Colangelo, and I don't know how much of it's brand, but the fact that they don't have... Zaire ready to go. Mm-hmm. The fact that they don't have another JJ waiting in the wing, so they had to bring JJ back at a at a big price, and will probably have to do so again next year. Like it just feels like they became the Pelicans, where they have only like four or five guys, and yet they did all they made all the right steps to ensure that they didn't have that. So like the TLCs, like Korkmaz is fine, Shamit is fine. Right. I don't think these are guys you're. I don't know, are going to be in a playoff rotation on a, on a title contending team. And so, I don't know. I, I think I think something there's something to be said about, yes, maybe Ben doesn't fit entirely, but there's a lot of blame to go around in, in the many front offices they've had about constructing the perfect environment to fit these guys in. Right. I mean, it's exactly what Chris was saying. Like, they have the top-end guys and they have a bunch of fringe guys who you don't really, you're not really sure about. But they don't have that, that, that core middle that helps... You know, teams like teams get to the conference finals. Yeah. And, and, and it had so yeah. many routes to get those guys, right. I guess is what I'm saying. And but it's just frustrating. And our concepts of big threes is pretty interesting because I personally associate it with the Lebr- Le- LeBron teams that have had big threes. Mm-hmm. So the Cleveland teams and the Miami teams. And on both of those teams, someone has had to radically change their game and become pretty much a complementary player. Mm-hmm. In in Miami it was Bosch and in Cleveland it was Love. You know, where you accept that your role is to be very good when called upon, but called upon less frequently than you've ever have been in your career. Yeah. And I can't see that happening with Jimmy, Joel, or Ben. And Ben does not offer that I'll stand in the corner and just drain corner threes. Like if Ben had a corner three, he'd be an MVP. Right. And I think that's the issue that's more fascinating to me, which is kind of these uh, two timelines, if you will, because like you said, last year, the way they surprise everybody with how good they were and how great they were right away. I think it just kind of fast-tracked expectations. Mm-hmm. And maybe that forced them to make the Butler trade. And now it's like they have Jimmy on one track of a timeline. And, and you have two 20, young 20-somethings who are really, really good, but also like probably need some time to develop their you know refined roles on a team on a championship team which is what they're trying to be and so i think that creates some sort of like weird also like imbalance well there's there's two things to the sixers there's these two narratives there's the experiment and then there's the soap opera mm-hmm. the experiment is the process and the experiment is the sort of invert like the the finale of the process which is supposed to be adding all-star 
talent to guys who are still in their rookie deals or, or you know, Ben in his rookie deal. And that's what Elton Brand was saying. Like, right. The window is Ben's first contract because once Ben gets extended, we're not going to have a lot of room to get to maneuver, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that they were all hoping that Markel would join that sort of upper echelon of Sixers player. And obviously he's not there. Then there's the soap opera, which is the intense scrutiny surrounding the team, which is not helped by the way the team manages a lot of these situations, but everything from at that Clippers game, Ben Simmons went for a rebound, like in a somewhat Westbrookian fashion and elbowed Embiid in the face and Embiid flipped out. And and I think we've pretty much like, if it doesn't take a lip reader to hear him basically say, what the fuck was he doing going for that rebound? Yeah. I'm paraphrasing. <laughs> but like he said yeah. something along the lines of like, what's he even doing going for that rebound? Right, right. Because it was a free throw and it was Embiid's rebound and Ben comes like flying out of nowhere. No, it wasn't yeah. free throw. It was like a missed shot. Yeah, it was a missed shot. But Ben comes flying out of nowhere and catches Embiid in the face. Right. And Embiid's had you know, a facial injury before and is obviously pretty sensitive about that. But of course, that just opens yep. up the Ben versus Embiid sure. thing again. Seems and then like he's sensitive about a lot. Who, Ben or Embiid? Yeah, yeah. I think he's he's sensitive about yeah. the fact that I am unguardable <laughs> and yeah. it, in the fourth quarter, I don't get the ball. And now some people will be like, well, Embiid's out of shape. So he's not really there in the fourth quarter and he's obviously tired. But I don't think he, I don't think he thinks that. And this is right back to like, this is exactly what Shaq used to say. It's like, if you give me the ball, we will win. You know, you may be boring. You may not have fun doing it. I may sometimes not pass out of double teams, but I guarantee I'm going to score like 65% of the time you give me the ball. That's crazy. Yeah. But that's the thing is the Sixers do not ever seem to have quiet time. It's always something. It's always some post-game comment, a guy who's not ready, a guy who's hurt for mysterious reasons, a guy who won't shoot for mysterious reasons. And... That's just going to be the story of this team and whether they can weather those soap operatics or is is as important as to whether or not they can fulfill the process. Yeah, and I do wonder like if this is the downside finally of Embiid being so online and so willing to speak his mind <laughs> right. about everything. Sure. He's he's one of the probably biggest stars in the league right now because of his personality, because of like his antics and what he does in the court and it's great to watch, but like and maybe don't like criticize your coaching staff like every time they put you on the arc for like a couple possessions mm-hmm. because like we know you're great in post up situations but hey maybe if you hit like one or two threes a game then things start to open up for Ben and start sure. to open up for Butler and it's all that also like you played two and a half seasons at this point <laughs> like I'm gr- I'm really glad that you're healthy but like yeah. maybe like make it through like what would have been your rookie contract before you start acting like you're fucking like. <laughs> LeBron James. I know, but prime. like, but that's who he is. Like, it's so funny watching him like speak post game too, as he did at the Cooper game. Like, he has like no filter, and he he's so in control with, with what he says, but also at the same time not. If that makes sense, <laughs> like, because like somebody asked him about the Beverly scuffle, but and he had like a ready made answer about the Simmons incident mm-hmm. that he thought that he was being asked about Simmons but he was actually getting asked about Beverly and there was like a weird confusion about it like and he I, was like I have these bits but I don't know how to like <laughs> I, I, like I don't have like extemporaneous conversations yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. I don't know it's just, and, it's just and also he said like I think he had a quote where something like he doesn't want to shoot threes or something or he doesn't like shooting threes anymore and then like that's the first shot he took in that Clippers game and like made it so it's like I don't know I, he's all over the place but also he's their best player so it's like what can he do the other thing is like it's weird that we've completely forgot the fact that he's like had all these injuries concerns. Mm-hmm. Like maybe it's because like we don't want to think about that. But man, he takes a beating in games. It's like because when you watch seriously. it up close, it's like you forget how much. If you're a big man who has the ball a lot, you're just like every every play is a foul. Yeah, and you if know? he doesn't want to stand around the arc, yeah, you're taking more of it. Yeah, and so it's weird that like 
it seems from based on what you're saying, like the the local perspective is flipped to where Embiid is like the chosen son. Where I think like it's ben just it's, there's just basically there's a debate happening. I mean, you can find it on Ben Dietrich's Twitter. You can you just it's pretty easy to find. But just like people are basically like, we will not beat the Celtics in Boston ever if if Ben Simmons can't shoot jumpers. Yeah. I disagree with that though. Okay. Like, that, that, I, yeah. I, 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 I can't wait to find I can't wait to have evidence to the contrary. Sure. But yeah, that's that's basically the concern. I, I think in an ideal world you could flip Ben Simmons for somebody else to come in there and I'd rather go guy. down with the ship. Okay. Yeah. I would rather go down the ship. Just because you love Ben that much. Yeah, he's a miracle. Like he is an amazing yeah. basketball player. <laughs> I think as a basketball fan, I would just love to see him run his own team. I've said this before. Like, yeah. if he was in Orlando with just like a bunch of like incredibly long athletes that are just running the floor and just looking to dunk everything like it would be the best league pass team in the league and I, I'm like I'm constantly saying to myself like why don't we have this and I, maybe that's why I'm just talking <laughs> through my family but, but this like, is interesting Isn't, I, this kind of goes back to what I'm saying where it's like this is the difference between you programming for a league-wide experience and me being like I don't want to let this like incredible conf- conflation of talent Right, go without giving it a couple of runs, and yeah. maybe you know, like honestly, honestly, like Jimmy Butler's awesome. Yeah. He's like really, really, really awesome. But he is the first person I'd see the back of before I saw right. jo- Joel or Ben leave. I'm curious. Do you obviously very few times passed, but like, how do you feel about the trade? Like, would you do the trade again if if you you could yes. sw- change it up? Yes, okay. because there's also a really good chance that they like get better because. Sure. They, they've, yeah. they've literally been playing together for what six weeks now, and like yeah. they had like five practices or whatever. Like, I don't think that they're installing a lot of stuff. I don't know if I want to pay Jimmy Butler one hundred ninety million dollars because mm. he does not look as explosive as I remember him. Maybe I'm skipping the Minnesota part, but like, I just remember him being a much more like physically imposing player. Yeah, and uh, he's he's a lot more late period Dwayne Wade to me right now. Okay. But good. Yeah. But like la- latter period Dwayne Wade. Then like yeah. early period Jimmy Butler where you're like, man, this guy is ferocious. But you kind of have to because you lost Covington and 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 um and Sarge. Sarge for him. Yeah. Like well I do wonder one thing. I think they'll have enough cap space to to go after a major player. Like maybe this all is settled in the offseason. There's and- the path to there's a path to a fourth star. It just involves basically getting rid of the rest of the team. Which, you know, if it's someone like Kemba, who I think would be a really good fit there because yeah. he could still guard point guards. Ben can kind of like go around. He could play off ball. He could run a second offense, maybe keep JJ. I don't know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I also wonder if there was just another trade to make that wasn't the Butler trade. What if you waited and all of a sudden I know. you're in the Derby for maybe not Anthony Davis because I don't know like how well that Embiid fit works, but like maybe someone like him. So There's always going to be the next guy. Maybe it's a Kevin Love. I'm, I don't know. There, there are guys that you can go out there. Maybe you can get an Otto Porter if you could I think, I, you know, so lucky. I, I think that's the one that I will always wonder about is Beal. Sure. That's a great one. I yeah. love that fit. Because that was that was the ideal player for me. Yeah. That was the guy who kind of takes the anything that Ben can't do, Beal makes that better. Well, I'm sure we'll never talk about this again. <laughs> uh, so that's good. Uh, well, that's it for this edition of Group Chat for Chris, for Paolo, for Bobby Wags on the ones and twos. Uh, we will see you next time. Basketball is very good. Basketball is very good.